Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Gen Ed. We are excited this week to have with us a friend of Alana's, um, Rodrigo Gonzalez Rojas. Um, and Rodrigo, I would, I'd like you to just get us started by introducing yourself a little bit. Yeah. What's up? Um, my name is Rodrigo. I am currently a junior at Rice University, and I am majoring in neuroscience with a minor in biochemistry and cell biology and another minor in politics, law, and social thought. So <laughs> I try to do many different things, <laughs> um, much, to, much, much, to my, much to my enjoyment, but sometimes a little bit to my uh, a lot of busy scheduling. So yes, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much me. Yeah, so yes, as Dan mentioned, Rodrigo and I like do know each other. Uh, we actually went to the same high school at the time. Like I was a freshman, he was senior. That's how kind of knew each other. Um, and so I, we were also on the cross country team together. And right. we would, <laughs> yes, yes, we would have uh, pasta parties. I think Rodrigo, uh, your family even threw one and yeah. it was a lot of fun. And so could you give like a little bit of background about you, where you come from before like this whole new opportunity of college since we're more focusing on like the college process today in this episode? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so kind of Alana, you touched on this. We both went to health careers high school. So, you know, at the time I was very much in the mindset of like pre-med, pre-med, pre-med. And uh, I'm originally from San Antonio. Um, I, um, I'm Hispanic, but, you know, both of my parents were the first, um, the first in their, one of the first, or either one of the first in their families to go to uh, college. So I've had a lot of awareness of you know what it means to be underrepresented in certain academic spaces and um and also kind of understand and appreciate you know how far you know like my parents have worked and you know how far i've worked to get to where i am today and you know like the recognition and understanding of you know opportunities being available to some but not others that's kind of my context i suppose <laughs> no yeah that's that's super inspiring to me. And that's why we wanted to have you on today was just to get your perspective and the perspective of your family. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's so inspirational whenever anybody is, you know, just has, has these ambitions yeah. and willing to, willing to um, overcome a lot of these, a lot of these struggles and a lot of these kind of pressures and, um, and as you mentioned, um, and these underrepresented areas, I think it's so needed. Um, it's something that we need to, to promote. It's something that we need to continue to push for. And so I'm just so grateful for, for you, Rodrigo, and, um, and all the work you put in. It's, it's so inspiring to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would definitely say that perhaps one of the greatest experiences anyone, and really, I believe everyone ought to have access to and ought to be able to afford for that matter is a college education, not just because of the classes you take, but, you know, the kind of perspectives you have of learning new things with people that come from different backgrounds or, you know, like have different political views. Um, high school can be very uh, structured, very bureaucratic, but college can really offer you this type of experience where you can learn and grow as a person and also learn about other people in a really, really genuine kind of a way. And um, I think that's something that at least I've gone out of my college experience. And, you know, that's why, especially to people who come from underrepresented backgrounds, it's 
it's it's important to also try to find a university or institution that is aware of kind of like what does it mean to be underrepresented in the space that you are in and offers you that support as well but yeah <laughs> yeah speaking on that point real quick you know your your high school um is obviously very determined by your geographical area and so i mean not always but oftentimes you'll you'll see less of a spectrum of people and backgrounds at your high school than you will at a college. Um, I, of course, am, and speaking for most colleges, my particular college is not the most diverse in the world, but, um, but I, I wanted to talk to you for a minute about your high school experience. You, you and Alana both went to this kind of pre-med high school, um, and as, as, as a kid coming out of just a normal public school, I'm wondering not only what did you participate in as a high schooler and kind of what classes you took, but also what was kind of uniquely available to you because of the school that you went to, yeah. um, I, I think would be a, a great thing to touch on. Yeah. Um, Alana, I think we can both agree probably that being able to go to health careers was an extraordinary privilege. We had access to things that not a lot of other people have access to, like, you know, a nice, a nice school to go to and a lot of unique classes. Um, and definitely, you know, my ability to get into the door there certainly gave me the opportunity to show my work to get further places. But anyways, back to, back to answer the question. Um, some of the things I did, uh, I, I, was, I got started in actual scientific research. So I joined a lab, the, um, what was it? It was the um, summer before my senior year of high school, yes. And I've still been a part of this lab to this day, actually. Um, I'm continually doing research for them now. I have been authors on two papers in this lab, and I got my start while I was at Health Careers there. And I'm really passionate about research. Um, I would like to probably go to medical school, but I really do like science a lot, too. And that was something that Health Careers gave me the opportunity to do. But something else even probably also is equally cool was that I got, uh, I got to do clinical rotations in our local hospitals. So maybe for people who are listening in, San Antonio is this very big regional medical center um, for like all of South Texas and a lot of Central America. And they have a lot of big hospitals there. So I volunteered at the VA, the Veteran Affairs Hospital or the university, like the public hospital that was in San Antonio. And um, that was just so amazing. I had so many amazing experiences and really fell in love with, uh, really fell in love with the field and it was just, it was just so cool. I felt, um, it was, it, I, I look back on that. And I think that, wow, you know, that's, that, that was such a time of such like hype and like really like optimism and forward lookingness that I really, I really, I really, I really have fun. Memories of. Yeah. Going to the hospitals, like our, our health careers is like, was right in the center of like the medical center. And yeah. so you can literally walk to a hospital, like two minutes away, super yeah. close. And Rodrigo, uh, your research is very interesting. I have to admit, um, I recently did like um, eighth grader uh, when when they're like applying to go to the school since it is a magnet school. Yeah. Uh, Miss Burke was kind of selling them on you, kind of. Oh. She brought up like, <laughs> oh, Rodrigo, like he's doing research with like mice at Rice University. So <laughs> your 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 research is very interesting would you care to like go more into that like yeah learn? absolutely yeah. um no I, I really do like the research that I'm involved with because it's something that it's 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 scientific topic so it's complex but 
I'm able to explain it to people and they can understand and empathize and relate with it. And I think that that's something that more scientists should strive to achieve, to like have that public relationship with the science. Anyways, what is that science? Um, so I, I still work in the lab of Dr. Hei-Yung Lee at uh, UT Health San Antonio. And basically the, the central question of her work is um, autism. And how does, how does autism function neurologically? How does function autism behaviorally? And lastly, how can you treat it? And you know, when you do scientific research about you know, diseases, you can take maybe like a clinical approach and study in patients. But what she does instead is she takes a preclinical approach and we utilize mice to study autism. And here's always a fun fact for people. You can in rodent animal models or really all sorts of different types of animals, you have relatively similar gen genomes. And sometimes you can replicate mutations that are common in a human disease, and you can kind of replicate or find a correlate mutation in an animal model. And we've been able to do that, or rather not we, but someone was able to do that with um, a very severe form of autism. And uh, we have an, a mouse model, that's what we call it, an autism mouse model that replicates a lot of autistic symptoms, whether that's how it looks on a neurological level or how it looks on a behavioral level. And we have these really great tools to study autism. So kind of going a little bit closer to my actual project, what I have focused on, and I started this project my senior year of high school, um, we were curious if we could try to find a way to model, quantify, to explore learning impairments in autism, but in our mouse model. Now, mice aren't the most terribly complex creatures. It's like you can't really train them to do things, but we were able to kind of find an interesting way to measure imitative behavior. So we showed um, our autism mouse model a, um, a video of another mouse scratching, like with his back leg, and compared that to a control, which is a quote unquote regular mouse, we call it wild type animal. We found that the uh, autism mouse model did not copy at all what they saw while the quote unquote normal mouse did copy what they saw. And that replicates autistic um, impairments in learning. Um, that was really one of the central findings to something that I uh, worked on recently that I published recently and now we are following it up with additional behaviors. So we have one type of way we can explore this learning uh, impairment in our autism mouse model. What are some other behaviors or some other unique ways we can kind of add complexity to it. But yeah. <laughs> Rodrigo, I love talking to people like you because you can just hear the enthusiasm in people's voices. You know, you can <laughs> feel how much they love their their field and their topic. Yeah. And I love talking to people who are just excited, you know, it's yeah. <laughs> it's all riled up. Yeah. Um, you were talking a little earlier about uh, <laughs> about what you're currently studying and, yeah. and what you're working on and and what you've done in the past, and it's becoming very clear to me that you, you've done a lot and you're doing a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm wondering what what's kept you motivated in the past. What keeps you motivated right now to to keep pursuing all of these things? You know, I guess this is where maybe I'll add a little bit of nuance and complexity to um, to this kind of to this kind of story going between high school and college. In high school, I really didn't have like a discovered passion per se that whole time. It was just kind of like, oh, I'm just kind of going through the process. I'm just trying to work hard, trying to get to the next step. And then in college, I really found, okay, I really like studying like 
uh, neuroscience. And that was kind of what I do in uh, Dr. Lee's lab with my research. Um, and I participated in that. And that's where I first got to think, wow, this is so cool. This is so interesting. It's not something that I learned about in my high school classes, not really at all, but I learned outside of that context. And then now that I can't come to college, I take all these really cool neuroscience courses and I help even TA one of the classes for the major. Um, so it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's really, um, you know, how do I stay motivated? I, I, I find my passion and I, and I follow it. And sometimes it's very difficult. And sometimes my passion is very strict with grading. Um, but I still try to keep my focus on, you know, I'm really happy and enjoying what I'm learning, even though I may be very busy and very like constantly doing things. I have to enjoy doing what I'm doing. Yeah, your passion and motivation is what keeps you going, or at least what keeps me going, having a positive outlook and yeah. just and these conversations where you can talk about a certain topic for 30 minutes, like yeah. you can talk about it way more than 30 minutes. Yeah. But well, that's of, or both of you tell me about what, what, what's driving y'all though. Like, you know, you're, you're both at like, uh, you're both at different, maybe like you're, you're both at different stages. So maybe I, I want to hear from y'all too. <laughs> oh, for me, I guess I'll go first. Um, there was a, I didn't have the, um, best upbringing like it was had a lot of challenges especially those with mental health my mom had schizoaffective disorder which is like bipolar depression and schizophrenia and then lots of other issues so not to be I guess overcoming these struggles I got to see some hope and I got to see some of the, the downfalls of medicine and where we need to uh, go out and pursue more so those yeah. who have like mental illness don't get lost in the system like what happened to my mom so and then I guess like just my science classes like really interested in I guess the one thing that sparked my interest was um, like translation and uh, transcription with uh, per, like DNA and proteins and then that yeah. just kind of escalated into chemistry and so that's what's keeping me motivated and I love learning there's always new things to learn and Dana and I actually like touched briefly about like what our passions were in like one of the first episodes of Wave so oh, gotcha. okay okay <laughs> so go listen to that later yeah. on well, <laughs> Dan you can give me you can give me the yeah. two sentence TLDR too long didn't read <laughs> yes um well, my, my story of motivation and passion is not nearly as um, inspiring or as profound as Alana's or yours. Um, Thank you. <laughs> no, I'm not being too flattered. I, I, <laughs> oh, please, no. I, 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 I struggle to get my homework done sometimes, but, you know, continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, in, in high school, I was definitely, I was primarily motivated by, you know, just just wanting to do well. I come from a very academically focused family and I wanted to, to live up to what all of my older siblings have done. I was, I was the youngest child. So I wanted to, to do what they had done and then perhaps surpass them as well. Um, and then getting older, it was, it was a, a desire to, to learn about all of these fields that I'd become interested in and specifically to be able to take that knowledge and be able to implement it in a way that I could say that I had made a tangible impact um, on the world. And I think, I think that's my, my end goal. And I think the end goal of a lot of people is they just want to have an impact and they, 
they want to be able to look back on their life and say that they they did something with it. Yeah. And I think that's what kind of drives me a little bit. But I think that's super interesting that you talked about like your your family background and like having them be very educated because for my parents, <laughs> well, I think I, I jokingly say this all the time, but the most important job as a Hispanic or rather the most respected job as a Hispanic person you could ever have is being a doctor and anything less than that is just just peanuts basically. <laughs> and I always joke about that with my parents because they're always like, oh, are you going to medical school? And it's very funny because there have been several times where my parents are like talking about it but you know, I'm like, you, you don't seem to realize actually what it takes to do that. I'm the person who's doing it and I have to kind of lead with those decisions. So you know, at least in my own case, my parents are, they're, they're, they're both educated, but they don't know like the, the, the next steps of like where to help me or the types of resources for me to like access when it comes to like something like medical school or something that's like really, really, um, a really, really uh, prestigious type of profession. And um, I think that like definitely those sorts of factors can influence and impact your successes in like both the high school space, the college space. So it's like really important to try to go to a university that recognizes those issues and has those support resources for you. But yeah. Yeah, fam family support is definitely, definitely one of the most important things throughout like this whole transition and well, uh, university. So. I know you did say like your family, they haven't had that like firsthand experience, like with figuring out like how to apply to medical school or actually yeah. like taking these advanced classes. Yeah. And so let's just take it back a few years and think <laughs> about you, your junior slash senior year in high school, applying to college. I yeah. know you did apply to some like bigger Ivy schools. Um, how did oh. you- <laughs> oh boy, so, that, that got out and around. Sure, I'll, I'll be clear with, I'll be transparent with my, where I got, where I got, no, it's important you get, you're going to get no's and you're going to get yes's, but. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so how did you get that support? How did you figure out, like, how to apply to school, like, and which colleges, like, you wanted to go to, and what was, like, the most important thing in a college that you were looking for? I would say that, you know, kind of, Maybe this is just a product of the, the types of politics that I'm involved with or read about or take classes about, but I would say that, you know, in this country, we take a very wrongly individualistic approach to people's success. Your success is a product of the resources you have, and especially when it comes to a college process, the sort of like, you know, how involved your parents are and how they know how to navigate those resources. And my parents, they, they learned how to do that, and they were basically like, okay, SAT tutor, you know, this, that, and it's like, you know, they didn't know exactly like how to answer the questions themselves that I had to answer, but they really, really found the ways and we put the, what resources we did have into um, making sure that I was able to be successful, get a good SAT score, network at Rice even. So uh, my mom's, uh, my mom's, <laughs> my mom's job, they do this camp at Rice and she was like, oh gosh, we have to make them go to this and then I got to meet all the admissions people and I still talk to them all the time today. So it, it's, it's, it's really about like, you know, your family, your family engagement uh, is something that's really important to like your success later on. And I think that it's important when it comes to people from underrepresented backgrounds that, you know, there are still resources out there. If, for example, not everyone comes from that privilege that I have or that, you know, maybe Daniel has had. So there are a lot of resources out there and places like Rice do acknowledge that in their admissions process. So it's very holistic. It's very, they consider everything. So you are judged within your own context when it comes to like places that are like that. 
but you also may want me to talk about where else I applied, Alana. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, so yeah, I ended up applying to 11 places. We were like, okay, um, if you're gonna apply to all these places, we don't have the money to go on like this, uh, like a summer a little summer vacation or whatever. So we kind of set aside that and try to focus on it. And um, I will go with the no's. So I applied to, these are the no's. Uh, Yale, Harvard, Dartmouth, um, Northwestern, uh, Johns Hopkins, and um, hmm, that's, I think that's five. Where's the last one? Uh, I think Stanford. Um, and then I got a waitlist at Vanderbilt. Uh, and then I got into, um, then I got into UT. I got into AM. They really didn't give me, AM gave me some more financial aid, but UT didn't give me any. And um, then I got into uh, Boston University and I got eh, about half, half of the ride. And then I got into Rice with a full ride. So <laughs> I, I don't know how exactly it happened, but it just happened to <laughs> fall and work that way. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Just thinking back on applying to college, you know, you were definitely much more proactive than I was <laughs> uh, in your, in your application process. And that's, that's great. That's something I really like to stress to people as they're applying to college is just be on top of things, apply to a lot of schools, do a lot of research, do what you can with, with the resources that are available to you. Um, if I could add one thing, I, I wouldn't say that I was as proactive as I should have been with my applications. Like I spent, I, I really, I think yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, I was just going to butt in and say, I think that's pretty true of most people. But. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it was definitely like getting, it was like, oh, it was winter break. And I'm like, I'm just going to like get three more out of the door. And, but no, I, I always really loved rice. And that was really down in my heart, like my really, really first choice um and i'm really glad that it worked out at the end of the day so um but yeah no spent a lot of time applying different places some of them were messier and i learned a lot about how to write better applications for the future things that i have to do so that's also been helpful <laughs> but yeah actually a piece of advice that maybe i should give on this podcast is that if you are interested in applying to rice or would have one of our what i'll refer to as our quote-unquote peer institutions um an admission officer once like said that you know, when we read essays that say, why do you want to come to Rice? When you read the essay, or when they read the essay, they don't want to be able to switch out every word with Rice and switch it with Stanford or switch it with Duke or switch it with any other place. Because then that shows that essentially that's what you've already done. You've had a template. If you want to really get into like places that are, like if you want to get into a place like Rice, you need to be a lot more specific and detailed and you have to write tailored essays and that will really show your sort of quality to it and maybe with some of my other applications I didn't spend as focused of a time putting that effort in and um, it really is kind of like that last stretch and giving yourself the time to really write a good essay and write an essay that's like unmistakably like this is about rice and no other institution so this shows that they've done their homework they've done their research they talked to us they are talking about only rice yeah. so speaking of this college application process, what do you think is kind of uniquely difficult for a first-generation student as they're applying to college? I, I think everything really, um, because, you know, you have to go through the process of filing, you know, for the financial aid. So, like, how does that work? Like, you know, are your parents fully involved with your application process? 
Um, you know, like what are the types of things that you write about? Um, who can look over your essays and give you feedback on them? Um, you know, do you know how to access or like, you know, just the general like practice of networking? Um, it's, it's, I guess I can only really talk about applying to Rice, but for sure you do, when you, when you, when you want to take on an endeavor like this, like applying to Rice, you, you do need, it's important to ask for the help, whether that comes from your parents or maybe that comes from your high school counselors, because it's, it's a tough process. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really important to be knowledgeful that sometimes you don't know everything about this and maybe you need someone's input or feedback. And um, that's something that I think that like, you know, for example, maybe you, Dan, you and I, maybe our parents were more involved with that process or we had access to that, you know, ability to like, you know, consideration or ask our parents about things that maybe we were confused about or that was like this long form or whatever, but first year low-income students don't have access to those things. And um, that's something that, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult, it's, it's, it's a challenge when applying to college. I think Questbridge does a really great job of helping bridge those, um, bridge those um, inequities. Um, and I have a lot of, I have a lot of respect for the work that Questbridge does in matching um, underrepresented and low-income students at universities. Yeah, I think the whole application process for anyone is difficult and then add the stress of now have ever done it before. Uh, for yeah. me, a little bit stressful, but I had like the whole summer because it was like COVID summer. Like, yeah. <laughs> so that's what I did. But you yeah. know what? I didn't take the SATs and I would not suggest doing that because <laughs> it definitely yeah. takes a hit to the rest of your application. So people might weigh other things more heavily and but i i was able to take the sats anyway and i wasn't good at it so <laughs> study for your sats um and so after that whole application process i guess one thing for me was just applying to scholarships yeah apply 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 and i guess one tip i have is to apply to more local scholarships so look up scholarships in your city more so than those like nationwide i know like niche does like no essay a thousand dollar scholarship but like thousands of other students are also applying to these um and you don't have like the greatest chance of getting them since so many people are applying to them so look yeah, like exactly. more citywide close and then questbridge is an amazing program um one of my friends actually got a full ride there so check it out if you're first gen low income or just want to learn more about the program. Um, so Rodrigo, yeah. after after you made your decision to go to Rice, how was the transition since you were first living at home and now you're all alone on this big campus hours away from home? Well, first of all, um, I, I'm, I'm an only child. And I was very excited to leave, <laughs> to get out of home. I was ready. My parents were like, nah. like they were, they were, they knew it was an important time, but I knew it was, it was rough for them. Um, but I think like emotionally, like Rice is a really, really supportive, really dynamic, really diverse place. I think we're best rated for, we, we've been at before in the past, uh, if not first, or maybe one of the top universities for class interaction. Uh, and we're, we're a very diverse campus and we have, <laughs> A lot of people from different backgrounds. So basically, I was very excited about this step moving on to the next kind of like stage of my life of like, wow, I'm going to be living on campus 
it's so cool. And there's all these people and it's so exciting. And um, I would say the transition though, that was the easy part. The hard part was the academics. And uh, I really struggled my first semester at Rice. Um, definitely really struggled my first semester at Rice. And actually, frankly, it was to the point where I'm like, oh no, am I not doing well enough to be pre-med and to pursue my goals? And I had to have a bit of a retro, like I had to go and I had to rethink about like, wow, like, you know, like, what do I want? Why do I want it? But then I started doing very well. And I always joke with my friends. I'm like, huh, that's funny. First semester you were like, if you draw a graph, like you're up here, now you've gone down, but I've been the other way around and I'm doing very well right now. And I've learned to be successful in this type of very rigorous, but like still at the same time, very supportive and very amazing academic environment. Yeah. What, what would you say, just real quick, what, what, what are some joys of being in college? What are some things that you really enjoy about Rice um, and just the college life? People are very, very passionate about what they do at Rice. Maybe if, maybe, maybe if they're undecided majors and they're passionate about something else, everybody has a, a love or a desire or something that they can just talk about for ages. So I would definitely say the highlight of Rice is was uh, I was trying to study for finals with my friends. It was two in the morning. And then we had the just longest, like big brain discussion about like philosophy. What's the maximum ability for people to like, what, 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 is there a maximum to what we can know, blah, 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 all these like really existential questions. And then it was four in the morning and I really need to have studied for an exam. <laughs> so it's really, or even like, you know, just sitting down and watching a TV show or, you know, having a really conversation about the way the world works or injustices in the world. Um, I think the quality, like it, for, for sure, Rice is one of Rice's greatest strengths is like, like it's, it's academics, but I think it's for any college really, it's that soft skills you can get of learning how to talk to people or just having dumb conversations or hanging out with friends or, you know, kind of being silly every now and then. Like, I think that that's the, um, I think that that's the best part of college, in my opinion. Everything, a lot of things are great, but that's at the top. Yeah, so we're kind of nearing the end of this episode, but is there any advice that you would give first-gen students that are in the midst of applying or considering whether or not they should go to college and pursue um, greater schooling? Yeah, so um, try to plan ahead. I know that, you know, a lot of this information can feel like it's overwhelming and it's a lot at once. That's how it felt to me and that might be how it feels to you. And that's okay. Um, whenever I talk to, you know, like if somebody asks me, oh, what classes should I take, Rodrigo? And I give them this long answer, which is honest and it's truthful. I always try to say, you know, I know this was a long answer. And I know this is a difficult process, but once you know it and you're able to understand it, you can set out a path for you to follow the steps to go. And make sure you try to plan ahead too. Try to talk to your counselors if you have them or your teachers or someone in your family, right, it's your extended family that you know went to college, try to make a plan. And you'll be able to, you, you will be able to, you'll be able to find your success and you'll be able to kind of get over that hill and you will, you will succeed. And you just have to know what you have to know what's ahead of you, make a plan and then you'll be fine. Rodrigo, just a moment ago, you talked about this, you know, you shared the experience of your big brain discussion with some people about, yeah. you know, Stuff, yeah. <laughs> you talked about 
kind of frank conversations that you're able to have with people. And I was wondering if we could just have a small snippet of that big brain slash injustice discussion right now um, with me asking you if, what do you think we need to do better as a society, as a nation to better support first generation college students and get that needed diversity of background and, and of experience that, you know, is so beneficial to, to so many of us. Yeah. So, um, first of all, I think definitely in this country, we, uh, have this sort of nice expression, you know, using that word very loosely, sarcastically, of, you know, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. It's funny because this expression is very old, like hundreds of years old. And most people don't know that actually this expression meant to do the impossible. Uh, if you ever actually try to stand up and you try to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, you'll probably flip over and you'll probably break your head open. And, um, <laughs> and you know, I think that, at least in my own political views, that we should start to recognize and understand that, you know, there are circumstances that affect people that they are born into and that not everyone really has a fair start starting point. And I think that's the first step. That's the first step. Not everyone has a fair starting point. We oftentimes try to deceive ourselves or believe that everyone does have a fair starting point. And it's, it's, it's not true, um, especially when it comes to like, at least for like the low, in, for the first year low income student, first generation low income student at Rice, a lot of them come from difficult circumstances where it's, I, I, I'm humbled by their story and how they were able to overcome adversity. And they are just such a small portion of their community. And they're also such a small portion of the rice community. So for me, I think the first kind of step comes with acknowledging that, hey, you know what? Um, you know, people, we should, we should probably do something to make college more accessible, maybe value education more, be willing to put money into education more than some of the other things that we seem to like to spend money on that's not related to welfare. Um, and I think that if I really wanted to, I could really, you, you, you've, you've got me rolling in the ball and I, I literally just wrote a small paper today for a class about a similar topic of this. So I, I, I can go off about capitalism and all these other things, but that's probably a <laughs> long academic conversation. And I, I think we are, it's probably your, if your viewers want to play 3D chess with me and with your brain, then you can, we can talk, talk about that at a separate, in a separate occasion, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, think, thank you. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. It was truly a great conversation. And I think you gave some really insightful and um, inspiring advice. Yeah. So thank you for that. Um, and so if you ever are thinking about going to Rice or it's your first time applying to college, uh, please reach out to Rodrigo or Dan and I, and we would be glad to help you out. Make sure to check out wavelf.org for more uh, information like free tutoring services, and we'll be going over um, some AP testing um, prep. So check it out and we'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.